And if you believe God's going to do something great, would you give God a hand clap by faith as Pastor Houston comes forward? Let's stand all over the house and let's give that to the Lord Jesus today for giving us the distinct honor and privilege to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Let's be thankful unto him and bless his name. Come on, would you help me? Would you help me and would you magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I say God is good. You say all the time, God is good. God is good. And all the time, I'm grateful, extremely grateful and thankful to be in God's house today. And it's already been said about the kingdom and the similarities that we have because of the name that we bear. We have been baptized in his name that puts us in Jesus. And we have been filled with the Holy Ghost that's putting Jesus in us. So we're saved inside and we're saved outside. And no matter where you go, the kingdom of God is the same everywhere. So could we give God praise for the name today? The name that is above every name. Praise God. Praise God. I want to give you just a little backstory, and I'm fully aware that you are standing. Uh, we were in our district conference, and um, my wife leaned over to me, and we had heard the story of evangelist Chris Green taking a couple of months and coming to South Dakota and preaching at every church in South Dakota on his own dime. And so my wife leans over to me when we heard that story, and she said, let's take Allstate to South Dakota. We normally hit somewhere in the Bible Belt, uh, larger churches, bigger cities. And she felt a burden to come to South Dakota. We presented it to the committee. Everybody was very much on board with it, and I made the phone call to... Brother Brown, and I could tell as his voice quivered on the other end of the line, and he said, people, people don't just want to come to South Dakota. And I pastor in one of those types of places where people just don't want to come. They call Bogalusa the armpit of the world. I tell them I'm the deodorant. And we are far from the armpit of the world. You've got some beautiful country out here. And we have been, we've been blown away. We've seen Mount Rushmore. We saw the only corn palace in the world. We've seen the Badlands and... Um, Big sticks with propellers on them. I know what those are. I just like to act like I'm from the backwoods of nowhere. Because I am. And we're also 
we're also extremely, extremely grateful that things unfolded the way that they did last night. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yes, indeed. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank our bus driver, Craig. And last night we offered to get him a room. We could have gotten one room. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We started this thing together and I'm with you every single step of the journey. We're grateful for that. I, I love your pastor. Yes, indeed. I love your pastor, your bishop, your superintendent. And i uh, going to get to spend even more time with Brother Brown over the next couple of weeks. We'll be together at a meeting next week and the week after. So uh, either I can't get enough of him or he can't get enough of me. I don't know what it is. But we're going to be together preaching at couple of different meetings, and I am, I am privileged to stand behind the first and only stainless steel pulpit that I've ever had the chance to preach across. We got a new pulpit a while back, and um, the one that we had previously had three columns on it, and it had uh, the, the heft of a Volkswagen, and it took six men to move it so I could hit it while I was preaching, and, and it was okay. It was solid. So we got one of those new ones that's kind of light and dainty, and I hit it one time and I broke it and we had to replace the top on it, but I feel like I can, I can hit this thing today. So we're, we're, we're extremely grateful to be here, extremely grateful. I, I do have a word from the Lord today, and I, in prayer this morning, I, I said, God, I don't want this to be just a word for this church, I want it to be a word for this state. And, and I don't know your um, abilities. I do see a couple of cameras. But if we could, and this is the first time I've ever done this. I've been preaching for 25 years, and I am the most anti-self-promotion guy that you will ever meet. I've never taken a selfie in my life. But I would ask that this message today go out to this entire state, um, at least to the, to the ministry. And I want it to bless, I want it to be a word that is perpetuated in uh, the years to come. Psalm chapter number 63. Psalm chapter number 63. We'll start in verse number 1. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. And as I begin today, you might not understand why I've chosen this particular theme for this day. But I promise you by the time that we close up and turn the lights out and leave the facility, you'll have a brand new revelation 
on why God puts us in dry places. Would you set your Bible down on the chair with you and would you lift both hands high to the heavens and just ask the favor of God to open our ears to hear what the Spirit would have to say unto the church today. God, I love you so much and I thank you for what has transpired in this building thus far. And I pray, God, that even though grass withers and flowers fade, your word is forever settled in heaven. So, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Grass withers and it does fade. But your word is still a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do it today, God, like only you can. Now clap your hands unto the Lord, all your people. And shout unto God with a mighty voice of triumph. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. The Lord bless today. You may be seated. Life with all of its ups and downs and all of its ebbs and flows. The good along with the bad. The feast coupled with the famine. Clarity when it meets confusion. The highs and the lows. The oasis and the desert. The rest and the weary. I've got to do everything that I can. To understand that God knows the way that I take. And he promised me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. So there comes a time in our lives where we must not allow our feelings to order us to occupy a place of Self-inflicted solidarity away from the body of Christ simply because life has taken a turn that renders me incapable of doing any and everything except for trusting God. When we say I'm in a dry place, we usually mean that we feel distant from God. When we say that we are in a dry place, we feel alone and stagnated. We feel halted and stale and even to the point of being cut off. And the reason this morning, church, that we are able to easily identify the dry place is because we know what it's like to flow in the river of the Spirit and feel the living waters of God captivate us and we quickly realize when that water is absent. We don't see God working, but yet the burdens of life press on. Discouraged, parched, confused, forsaken. And sometimes this dry place is my own doing, but at other times that not is the case. That's why David said, my flesh longs for thee. My soul is thirsty for you. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. And I feel like there are people in this building under the sound of my voice that you have sought God. But you're still in a dry place. You prayed, but you're still 
in a dry place. You long for better days, but you're still in a dry place. You can't find rhyme or reason as to why you are in the dry place. And there might be a sin that you're guilty of, but that was in the past. This time, there is no sin. Other times, we are in a dry place because we've chosen a detour that deviated from the path that is paid with that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when you're in this dry place, it's hard to focus on God. It's hard to focus on the things of the Spirit. But I hear the prophet Isaiah saying, Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. He said, the fish stinks because there's no water and dieth for thirst. So I rise to the occasion today to tell you, sometimes God allows us to reach a dry place. He permits it. He wills it. He proves it. He even causes it. But it's not without a promise. So if you came to Jesus Church this morning and you feel like you're in a dry place, I've got a word for you. You better hang on because there is a purpose to your parched ground. There is a reason for the river that is not flowing today. The third day of creation, God says, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place. And he says, let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters. He called the seas. And God saw that it was good. So the very first dry place that God ever created, he said, it is good. But he wants you to know that even in your dry place, he is still as close as the mention of his name. So if you came to this building today and you're in a dry place, God is still good. If you came into this building and you're in a dry place, God is still real. If you came to this building today and you're in a dry place, God is still there. So the dry place, at least the very first dry place, The Bible said that God saw that it was good. Notice God did not say it was good. God saw that it was good. That lets me know even in my dry place, he can see where I am. And if you're in this building today and you feel like your dry place has isolated you from the visage of the almighty God, could I remind you that if I ascend into the heavens, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he is there. If I take on the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, my God is still there. Is there anybody that believes that even in my dry place, he knows the way that I take?
I also hear Isaiah say, The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Usually with the drought comes the famine but with God's people he said I may put you in a drought but you will not starve to death. I've got a ream of work for somebody today here is a drought in this building but God said I'm still giving you a word I'm still giving you sustenance I'm still giving you power I'm still going to feed you I'm still going to make sure that you live and not die there there is sin that covers the earth Way back in Genesis in God, God creates a flood and Noah builds an ark. And the Bible said that after a year inside of that ark, in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off of the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, the earth was dried. And here's what God tells Noah. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And where did they find their fruitfulness and where did they multiply they did it baby in a dry place God said I might have sent you a dry place to get rid of some sin but to show you even in your dryness you can be fruitful and you can multiply who is in this building today you've questioned your dry place but the drier it gets the stronger you become the drier it gets the more you multiply the drier it gets the more you say victory today is mine I want you to know about a dry place it was the dry place that saved their lives and God might have sent you to a dry place to save your life you read your Bible God's people have always been on this planet ever since the beginning of time when God started making people there has always been a group of God's people and you read and you read and you read about Man doing things that they ought not do. And when sin was running rampant in the earth, God created a flood. And then God created a dry place. And finally, one day, Moses has enough of this Egyptian mentality. And the Bible said he walks into Pharaoh's court and says, let my people go. And after ten plagues, he finally says, 
all right, children of Israel, it's time for you to get out of Dodge. And Moses leads them out of Egyptian bondage on their way to the promised land. And they reach a dead end. But the Bible said that Moses reaches out his hand and a strong wind blew all the night to where there was a wall of water on the left and a wall of water on the right. And the children of Israel crossed the sea on what? Dry land. Your dry place is to get you out of the world and into the church. Your dry place is to get you out of bondage and into freedom. Your dry place is not sent to kill or steal or destroy. Your dry place is for God to make a way out. And I grew up in a house, and for some strange reason, my mother wanted white carpet. Can you believe that? We lived out in the country, and she wanted white carpet. And so we had to vacuum that white carpet with military precision. We had to make sure that we had all them little long triangles that that vacuum cleaner makes. And don't you dare walk on it because you're going to put footprints on my white carpet. And all of a sudden the word of the Lord came to me as I reached into my past memory bank. It had to be dry ground. Do you know why it had to be dry ground? Because if God had just dried it enough, it would have been muddy and mud leaves footprints. And God said, I don't need the footprints of Egypt going with you into your promised land. I need some people that come out from among them and are separate, saith the Lord. When I left my past, I left my past. It is as far as the east is from the west. I need a dry place to get me out of my former self and reach it it was a dry place it was a dry place and now now they're out in the wilderness a perpetual dry place and there's murmuring and complaining anytime you don't understand your dry place there's always going to be complaining. There's always going to be murmuring and griping. There's always going to be somebody that says, we had it better when we were in Egypt. Moses, you brought us out here into the wilderness to die. And the Bible said he has a prayer meeting. He goes before the Lord of glory and he says, these people that you gave me, they're talking about stoning me. They thought they had it better when they were worshiping cats. And the God of the sun and the God of the moon and the God of the stars and the God of the Nile and the God of the crocodile but you told me that here oh Israel the Lord our God is one and these people they're talking about stoning me and he said you remember that staff I put in your hand you've already stuck it in the river I want you to take that same staff that you stuck in the river and I want you to smite the rock 
And the Bible said that when he smote the rock, water flowed out. Could I tell you, you have a man of God that has been in contact with the river. And if you're in a dry place, he is going to smote the rock of this building. And water is going to flow out. He's been connected to the source. And that's where you get your resource. Who am I preaching to today? That in your dry place, he's still the rock. In your dry place, he's still God. In your dry place, he is still near. I'm in a dry place today. Good. That's what God saw. God saw that it was good. And David said he opened the rock. And the waters gushed out. And they ran in the dry places like a river. You see, you're in a dry place because God wants to show you that he's still the river. And he is going to come out of the hard, difficult places of your dry place. You see, that rock, even out in the wilderness, that was Jesus Christ following them. That's what the apostle Paul said. And so if he's the rock back then in the dry place, I want to preach a now word to somebody. He is the rock rock in the dry place today and you've been wondering why do I feel so parched you've been wondering why do I feel so dry God's trying to deliver you God's trying to provide for you God's trying to show you when you've looked all around when you've gone here and there when you've gone to and fro I'm who you need I'm who you desire I'm who you've got to have So then Joshua takes over. Joshua takes over. Moses has died. And Joshua said, now we're going to keep this journey going. And the Bible said there was Hittites and Jebusites and Girgashites and a bunch of other ites following them. And Joshua, Joshua has a little trip down memory lane. And he saw Moses part the waters before, but this time, this time it's different. This time Moses gets a word and he said, those that are bearing the ark, when their feet touch the water, Jordan is going to part and I'm going to create a path for you. But there's one thing in the text that I just can't get over. There's one thing in the text that is so intriguing to me. In verse number 15 of Joshua 3, watch this. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, the Bible said the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of Jordan. And the Bible said in verse number 17 that they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. It wasn't just the feet of the two guys in the front. It was the feet of all four of them. And the dry ground did not appear until everybody had their feet wet. So if you've been standing back when pastor said it's time to go, I don't want you to hold up the 
progress of having wet feet on dry ground. It's time for the people in the front. It's time for the people in the back. It's time for the people on the outskirts to get your feet wet. We've got to cross over. We've got to make it to the other side. I'm all in. I'm going in. I'm going to make it. Who in this building right now that says, I'm with you, man of God, wherever you want to go, I got the ark on my shoulder. Y'all that are in the back, y'all better come on. I need a dry place. But, but what about, what would, no, we're going forward. But, but, but what about, what, what about, ah, we're going forward. But, well, what about, no, we're going forward. I need to get my feet wet. I need to get my feet wet. Because the only way I have dry ground is to have my feet wet. And watch, here it is again. The Bible plainly says that all the people were passed clean over Jordan. The mud does not come with me. Whatever attached itself to me does not come with me when we're all in the church we're all in the church when we're all on the journey we're all on the journey so if you've been on the outside looking in it's time for you to rise up and say where the ark goes I'm going where the glory goes I'm going I need a dry place I I need I need a dry place. I need a dry place. Idolatry plagues the entire region until God gives a prophet a word that when I speak to the heavens, there shall be no dew nor rain on the earth until I speak again. And the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and He said, get out of where you are and you go hide yourself by the brook Cherith and I'll command the ravens to bring you bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. A dry place within a dry place. Can you hear me this morning? I said a dry place within a dry place. And when the brook dries up, it might have been the Lord telling Elijah, you've been having a welfare mentality long enough. You've been satisfied with a brook, but I'm trying to give you an abundance of rain. And until the brook dries up, you will be satisfied with just barely getting by. I feel like South Dakota needs to hear the word of the Lord. It's time to quit surviving and it's time to start reviving. The brook has been sustaining you, but God said there is a river that is Flowing from the top to the bottom, from the left to the right, from the center to the circumference. God, let it dry up. I am ready for more. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've had scavengers feed you long enough.
And here's something, here's something, Pastor Chemist, that I just can't get over. And, and sometimes, sometimes I'll hear preachers say it behind the pulpit, and I want to say, no, that's not what the Bible said. You'll hear them get up and say, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That's not what the Bible said. He didn't say he heard anything. He just went ahead and proclaimed it. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. Did you just feel a witness in your spirit like I did? Sometimes you've got to tell everybody around you what there is. Even when you haven't heard a single solitary thing. There is a revival in South Dakota. Whether you can hear it or not. There is a revival in Watertown. Whether you hear it or not. There is a sound. And I heard that sound in a dry place. I'm in a dry place, but there is a sound. I'm in a desert, but there is a sound. I've got an oasis from heaven. There is a sound. Somebody say there is. Somebody say there is. There is, you've got to start proclaiming it before you ever even hear it. There is healing in this house. There is Holy Ghost in this house. There is miracles happening in this house. There is prodigals coming back. There is a revival, but I can't hear it until the brook dries up. The brook dried up so that you could hear the sound. But before you hear the sound, you've got to proclaim there is a sound. Because, hey bud, come here. What's your name? Noah what? Noah Brown. I figured that's who you were. Now, you're going to be my servant today. And I, I want you all to open those two double doors, fellas. That, that, that's going to be... That's going to be Noah going and looking out toward the sea. And, and I want you to go, 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 go look. Go look toward the sea. Go look toward the sea, Noah. In the name of Jesus. Now come back, Noah. Come back, run back, bub. Come on, I got to get these people out of here. They're hungry. I don't want them going from hungry to hangry. What you see? Nothing. The Bible said he went again seven times. Oh, my God. What do you see? Nothing. Come on back, Noah. I know you ain't going to see nothing. All right. That's uh, that. Y'all help me keep count, okay? You didn't see nothing? Go again. How many of you know there's power in coming to church again and again and again and again? It might not be the service you get what you need, but I'm going again. It might not be the service you get healed, but I'm going again. It might not be the service I get the Holy Ghost, but I'm going again. It might not be the service we break out in revival but I'm going again it might not be the service I get everything I came for but I'm going again that was five five go again 
Aren't you grateful you've got a man of God that stands in the pulpit and said, we coming to church again. And Wednesday night we coming again. And next Sunday we going again. And now I'm doing all of this in a dry place. I'm going again in a dry place. I'm going again in a dry place. You're getting weary. See, some people think he went seven times. He went eight because he said, go look toward the sea. And when he came back, the prophet said, go again seven times. Are we to eight yet? You got one more time. I've been keeping count. I'm surprised some people can't walk and chew gum at the same time. But I can preach and count at the same time. Are you ready? And this time when you come back, I want you to come back running down that aisle saying, I see a cloud. Let's practice, okay? I see a cloud. All right, there we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Are you ready? You see, he's going again in the dry place. Now, hear it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I see a cloud in the dry place. I see a cloud in the dry place. I see a cloud in the dry place. I see a cloud. Hold on, Noah. Noah, have how, how, how big is that cloud? Oh, good God. You mean that's all I got in a dry place? Honey, when you've been in a dry place for three years, you better take what you can get because little is much when God is in it. I got a feeling on this Sunday morning that there's going to be some people in your dry place. You didn't get it over the last seven services, but this is your eighth service. You've looked toward the sea and you're coming back as a herald of the almighty God. I see a cloud like a man's head and I saw it in a dry place. And in the Holy Ghost, I see you. And I see you spotting little hands all over this state. There's a little hand in Brookings. There's a little hand in Mitchell. Because at one time, there was a little hand in Watertown. I want everybody in here to know that there is a hand. You might not see it yet, but it's just about to come up over the horizon. I need a hand. And the Bible said that it covered the entire sky and there was a great rain. My God, the dry place is about to come to a close because you kept going again. The dry place is about to end because you are faithful in going again. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is not scared of dry. Isaiah 53. Who had believed our report. 
And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He got here when it was dry. And at Calvary's cross, he said, I thirst. And he died when it was dry. So he got here in a dry place. He left here in a dry place. But both of them, he said, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. In your dry place, I'm still going to show up. Sometimes, and I've preached this, this next part different my whole life. Until maybe now, Jesus tells his disciples, come to a desert place and rest a while. Maybe you've had too many distractions and I need to create a dry place for you to rest. And you need to understand that I am the rest in your dry place. And the Bible said in one of the other versions of this particular story that they found a a lad. And he had two things. He had bread and he had fish. And here's the one thing that is so intriguing to me. When, When I think of a desert... I think of I think of nothing but sand. Hot sand. When I think of a dry place, I'm I'm not thinking of flowers and and fertile fields and grasses like we see in South Dakota. But the Bible said in this particular narrative that there was green grass that they sat upon. You read your Bible, they're in a desert place. But the Bible said that there was green grass. And when I look over South Dakota, I see a lot of green grass. But that's where God said, I'm going to send a lad. And I want my people to get a taste of bread and fish. I want my people to get a taste of word and witness. And when it happens, I'm doing it in green grass. And I feel in the Holy Ghost that there might be some that watch this later. And I know, I know that those 5,000 men, women, and children, they have had bread before. They had fish before. There's no doubt about that at all. But this time, this time something is different. And before you came to this state, they they had heard Acts 2.38 before. That They had heard John 3 and 5 before. They had Holy Ghost in fillings before. But this time, God held it. And he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and the disciples to the people. There is a revival here that is different than any revival that has ever happened in this state. Somebody's getting a taste of the word. Somebody's getting a taste of the witness. And it can't happen until you get in a dry place where God is not all you need. He's all you've got. 
And so, so here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost to tell this church, and then we'll have we'll have an altar appeal. Ezekiel stands out and looks at a valley. A valley of dry bones. And the Bible said that they were very dry. You can't have dry bones without a dry place. And when he prophesies to the wind. When he speaks the word. The Bible said bone came to his bone. In a dry place. And then the internal organs come back where they belong in a dry place. Muscular tissue, the tendons and the skin all form on the body in a dry place. The Bible said that Ezekiel looks out and there's, there's people, but they're laying everywhere. So he prophesies again. Let the winds come. And when the word was coupled with the wind in a dry place, the Bible said they stood up an exceeding army. And I know that South Dakota, from what your pastor has told me, there, there's been an apostolic presence here for many, many years. But God said, there's there's some dry bones in places. They're prodigals right now. But God said, I I need a I need a I need a dry place. And I'm gonna make these families come back together again. And every city that you want to build a church in, God is already preparing bones to come back together. And mothers and fathers to come back together. And aunts and uncles to come back together. And husbands and wives to come back together. Here's what happened next. God says, I want you to get two sticks. And I want you to write Judah on one of them. And I want you to write Ephraim for Joseph on the other one. And I want you in that dry place with that mighty army that I just rose up. I want you to hold those sticks in your hand. And they're going to become one. Judah is praise. Joseph, nothing but a life of problems. But God said in your dry place, if you'll bring your praise along with your problems... I'm going to show you how the kingdom comes back together again. And so you can talk about the problems of your region all you want. And we certainly don't want to rip them out of the pages. But if you mingle your praise with your problems in this dry place, I feel the wind of the Spirit beginning to blow. And He's raising up a mighty army in this state. Is there anybody in here that'll be honest? I gotta have a dry place. I gotta have a dry place. I need it for deliverance. I need it for unity. I need it for sustenance. I need it so God can make a way.